0: Yes, um, yes, a great place to put our hands together. Well, good morning, Ascent. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. one of the pastors here on staff. A bulk of my role uh, consists of teaching as well as pastor of racial reconciliation. Uh, Before I get started today, I want to make mention of something and put it on your radar um, that I think is going to be so important. Not only do we have Chief Hayes that's taking place, which what an amazing video and amazing work that our Community Impact team is doing, and so is Quincy. Um, But October 2nd, October 2nd, uh, we are branding this as Celebration Sunday. Here at Ascent, we want to create a culture where we continue to celebrate What God is doing in the life of every single person that's around here. A core part of Celebration Sunday is also baptisms. Baptisms. If you were here a couple of months ago, I believe it was in May, we had Baptism Sunday, and I'm here to tell you, listen, it was amazing. It was off the chain. I don't know what the young people say, but it was lit. It was dope. It was all those things. It was fun. It was such an amazing time for us as a community to come alongside people and celebrate Not only what God has done, but what God is doing in their life. And baptism is that external expression of what God is doing in that person's life. And if you're a person who's thinking, maybe that is for me. Maybe that's my next step. Not too long ago, actually, that day, a good friend of mine, Zach, got baptized. Now, he was not even scheduled to be baptized that day. But he knew that in his journey... At some point, that that was actually the next step for him. That was the catalyst for him in that moment for him. And I believe that God pressed it upon his heart that the next step for him in his journey is to be baptized. So spontaneously, in the moment, jeans on, the whole nine, Zach got baptized. And that's the thing that we are hopeful for. And I'm encouraging you, don't wait to that day. You can do spontaneous if you want, but you don't wait to be spontaneous. Email us, reach out to us. Maybe that's something that you're sitting back and you're thinking in your life right now, Maybe this is the next thing for me. And what's so special about baptism is that a community comes around you and say that we're in this with you. So whether that's you, whether that's a friend, or whether that's a child of yours, and you're saying, maybe I want my child to be baptized, we are here as a community to celebrate that, and we're excited about that. So please reach out to me, email me or someone that's on staff, whatever that looks like. We're having that October 2nd. Keep that on your radar, all right? Um, Before I get started, I also want to pray uh, for our time together that we're going to have And um, this is a little bit of a special prayer. I don't think I'm going to lose it. Um, But I want to pray not only for our time together, not only for baptism on October 2nd and all those things as well, Um, but I want to be open with you. And um, like everybody, um, things happen in life. Things take place in life and uh, things that are unexpected. And uh, at 5 a.m. this morning, um, I got a text uh, from a family member that my aunt had passed away and um, a dear aunt of mine who was so proud of me, who loved me so much. Um, and so as I'm stepping into this moment, like everybody in life, sometimes we have to carry more than what we thought we were going to carry. And that's on my mind right now, that's on my heart right now. Um, and I just wanna share that with you because we are a family and we're a community. And as, as I step into this moment holding that, I told the staff, listen, I'm gonna stay focused. I want this to be a normal morning. But I also want you to help me me carry this. And um, I want you also to help me carry this as I step into this moment. Um, So it's not about me, but I also just want to make it clear that um, this is a moment, and I believe a teaching moment for every one of us, um, that as we step into uh, the things of God, when we continue to walk as a community, when we move forward and we do things in life, whether that's on your job or as a family member, whatever that looks like, there's people that are next to you that are holding things and carrying things that you may not be aware of. Um, and what's the beautiful thing about family and community is that you don't have to be in that alone. So I know that there are those of you in the audience right now praying for me that are holding me up. Dennis, Peggy, Miss Lauren, I know y'all got me, and I know you all do as well. So um, as we start our time together, we're going to lift up our moment. We're going to lift up all the things that everybody is holding this morning, including my aunt Eloise Mallett. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for another day. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for the beauty. Thank you for opening our eyes to see the land of the living. I pray right now for our time together because I truly believe, Lord, that all week long, all month long, you've been pressing a word into my heart. And I also believe, Lord, that there are people in this room just like myself that are holding things that they didn't expect this morning. And as a family, as a community, we come together and I, to the best of my ability, try to model that Lord, uh, knowing that you're with us, knowing that your presence is with us. And so we thank you for what you're doing and what you're about to do. Speak to our hearts. show us. Let us feel your presence. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. This morning, we continue into a series around faith and the world of faith, but not only faith, but also doubt. And the way that I want to start this morning is, in typical Mari's fashion, I want to start with a story about me. I want to start with a story back in 2010. uh, Not too long ago, I was looking through some old pictures, some old things, and I came across my first driver's license. And I looked at that picture, that first driver's license, and so many different thoughts came to my mind. Uh, I had a huge smile on my face. They don't let people smile anymore. It was a huge smile on my face. A huge smile on my face, but I looked at that picture, and I also thought to myself, now, you don't know the story behind all this, but I just thought to myself, what a punk. Like, I know this person. Like, I know who that person was. And I just sit here and I think to myself, oh, my goodness. I had a huge smile on my face. I had just graduated. My parents had got me a car. I got my driver's license. But it was also a time in my life that was a spiritual high. And it was a spiritual high because I wasn't even following God wholeheartedly for about, I was probably not even a year, but I was following after God. And for whatever reason, I fell into this trap of starting to think that I got it all together. I started taking classes. I started following after God. I started doing all these things, and I started getting puffed up with all this knowledge. So I'm looking at this picture, and I knew who that person was. And I'm just looking at it like, oh, my goodness, you self-righteous, arrogant, defensive, full of anger, just I just looked at it like, oh, my goodness. I knew what was happening at that point in my life. I actually gained a reputation at the junior college that I was at. Um, I started hosting Bible studies and doing these different things. Um, But it was like uh, not a good reputation, right? Because I started to uh, take on this responsibility that I needed to defend God. And I started to really get real arrogant It started it had this reputation of debating people. And, and, and because I started to know different things, I started to, to, to follow some, uh, some people and all these different things. Like I started to use scripture. And I just knew it. And I knew how to just take different angles and bring up things that they didn't even know about. I just, ugh. I didn't even, I look back and I'm like, that is so disgusting. So, But I tell you that story because I started to do these things and people on campus would come around. And I would find it my mission. I mean, if it was a Jehovah's Witness, please, oh my goodness, I'm coming after you. (laughs) Mormons, wear your shirts, go on mission, that's fine, I'm coming after you. I was made it my mission. People who are on there, if they're atheists and they they say, there is no God, whatever, I found it my mission to defend God. I was just so, just, like I said, self-righteous. I got super holy. You got to watch out for those like fresh Christians. Sometimes they just think they're just too cool. You know, they just start, you know, that phase, some of you in the room, you know this one, you get that phase, you start throwing away your secular CDs, right? You go through that stage in life and I just was like, oh my goodness, only worship music, only worship music, all these things. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, But I got to this place where all these things were happening, fast forward a couple years, um, I'm going into my fourth year at a two year college, don't ask questions, (laughs) school isn't for everybody, okay? (laughs) Chill out. Don't look at me like that. School is for everyone. But I'm going into my fourth year, and I take world religion. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be good. Now, I forgot to mention that there's this guy named Adrian, who was a youth pastor at the time, and he, he was a, like, just like a sidekick of mine that I used to always run with me. And he loved just kind of stirring me up and getting me into controversy and, and seeing me do all these foolish things, right? Uh, so we take this class together, and it's this world religion class and Professor Beth Skinner. Ooh, I'll never forget. I took this class, World Religions, and I'm sitting in the class. Um, first day of class, she is laying in the Christianity I'm sitting there like, oh my goodness. So she's, you know, going through all these. And honestly, to be fair, she was going around the, the board. I mean, she was picking, you know, all the it was world religion class, so she's choosing all these religions and she's laying into them, the doubts that she's had, her own faith journey, what that looked like, and stepping away and all these things. And so she's laying into Christianity. My friend Adrian looks at me and he's like, what you gonna do, bro? <laughs> It's your time. You Maurice, come on, what you gonna do? And I sit there and I'm sitting in my seat at that time because for the whole session, she's just laying into your seat and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself and I told her, I was like, bro, I ain't got nothing for this. Like I'm not, I know when to pick my fights and when not to, but I'm sitting there and in my mind, it was one of the very first times that I sat and I thought to myself, what if I don't believe what I used to believe? Some of the things that she was bringing up wasn't just because there was a chip on her shoulder, there was some valid arguments. And it made me question, it made me sit in my chair to think, what do I think about that? But I also remember the very first time, what if I don't believe what I used to believe? What if in this moment I'm thinking to myself, what if I was wrong about God in one of these areas? And in that moment, like most of us do, like many of us do, I put it uh, in what I like to call the, um, the spiritual junk drawer, right? All of us have those junk drawers. Mine's in the kitchen full of receipts, pencils, batteries, paper, all sorts of different things, right? It's this area of things that matter but don't necessarily have a place, and I kind of shoved it in. Now, maybe it does have a place and I'm just too lazy to put it somewhere, but you get the point. It's this area in life of things that matter, but they don't have a place, or I don't know what to do with it. And because so I just kind of put it in that drawer, and this morning, I think some of us have that, spiritual drunk, same, that same spiritual junk, uh, junk drawer. Those questions in life that we don't necessarily know what to do with. And for some of us, it's even nerve-wracking to think that if I pull on that, if I pull on that string, what if I lose it all? Well, what happens if I make the wrong mistake? If I, if I said the wrong thing? Well, what, what takes place if I was not doing the right thing in this area? There's a professor at Wheaton College who asks his students every single semester in their theology class, at the top of the semester, he asks them, and this is a telltale sign, he waits for that answer because it tells him where people are in their journey, and he asks them, when was the last time you were wrong about God? It's interesting, the answers that he receives, because that tells him a lot about a person. And this morning, I asked the same question. Because it's fascinating to me that I see in certain areas of life that we have this sort of thinking that we have to hold on or be perfect and the thing that we once believed has to be the same thing we believe today. I see this in the area of politics a lot. Like, I'm not going to get into politics this morning. I don't know who else is nervous about our country, but like I said, I'm not going to get into politics this morning. Um, but the, one of the things that I see in politics is that there's this gotcha question that people use. 30 years ago, we have this clip of you saying that you believe this, and today you believe this. How can we follow someone who has changed their mind on such a topic? And I said, think to myself, like, oh my goodness. Why is that viewed as a deficiency and not a maturity or a maturation? I see that, and I think to myself, please don't go look up anything that Maurice said 10 years ago. Please don't go find anything that Maurice said 15 years ago. Do you you know the things that I believed or that I held on to? Not only was I uh, searching and finding some old things and I came across my uh, my, my driver's license, but one of the things that is so nerve-wracking for pastors and preachers is when you come across old sermons. Cringe. Oh, my goodness. I found my very first sermon, which was like 50 pages, literally like 50 pages, And I just was, like, turning the pages. I was sweating at the time, all these things. I'm reading my sermon, and I'm literally thinking to myself, like, heresy. Like, wait, wait, hold on. Like, what is this? How did somebody let me do this? Say these things. What is happening? And I look back, and that was over 10 years ago. But why is that viewed as a deficiency and not a sign of maturity? Today, as we engage in this topic of faith in relationship to doubt, I'm speaking to a few people this morning that have thought about those things, that have wrestled with the questions. Maybe you've wondered, is it okay to ask those questions? Today, as we continue in a series that we are calling Faith Unfiltered, what I love about this topic is that it's an unfiltered, we thought about to ourselves of, what does it mean to really pull back the layers? What does it mean to really think about our faith in a raw, unfiltered way and as we continue into that series what I believe and what I want us all to come to a place in is recognizing just for a moment suspend your opinion but what I want to submit to you that maybe just maybe that place of questions or unresolved questions or unresolved doubt is one of the most sacred places that God has you watch this not to fall away but to fall deeper into him. Would you hold that with me this morning? That maybe, just maybe, a part of our discipleship journey and process is questions. This is why I press people to read scripture so much. It's not because of uh, just uh, like a, a ritual thing. When we look at scripture and when, if we're going to be a community that has a holistic faith, we see the journey of great men and women asking questions, real questions. If you really want to go there, Jesus on the cross Ask the question, God, why have you forsaken me? There's questions all throughout scripture, the collection of psalms, one third of them is all of lament. There's an entire book of lamentations all around people lamenting and crying out because God feels distant or it feels as if God is not there and they're losing their faith. That is a place that we would love to have everybody continue to recognize that it's normal, that it is okay. One person puts it this way, that marriage, our relationship with God is like marriage and it takes a lifetime to know someone and even then you don't fully know them. If you're a married couple in the room, you understand that there are people, that the person you wake up to today is not the person you married years ago. Me and Aisha, we joke a lot every now and then when we we'll look at each other, and we joke around and we say that we're on our fourth marriage together because we have been through so many different phases, so many different versions of ourselves, and who we are today is not who we are, who we were seven years ago when we got married. Location change, vocation change, ups and downs, struggles, all sorts of things in our life, and it changes us. So why would we think in our relationship with God that we would have him figured out, that we would have no questions? I want to read a scripture for you this morning that is not a typical scripture when talking about doubt but there's an angle that I want to take with it that I think is going to be helpful for our time together. I want to read this for you. It is found in John 12:12. It says these words. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on who... who Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. Hear that again. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. This is a particular story. A lot of times, if you're grown up in church world, we use this story around Easter time and around Easter, we use this uh, this particular story and it's all about Palm Sunday. This is the story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. It's this moment where it is so pivotal that we use that story because it speaks to this triumphal entry, is what a lot of church world we would call that, the triumphal entry of Jesus. you got to understand the context that in that day, in that time, there was a group of people that were oppressed in a Jewish community. And in that time, they were longing for a king and a ruler to rescue them to bring them out from under that Roman empire and that Roman oppression. And for many, many years, they were under this. And so they held on to Scripture and they kept thinking to themselves, at some point, there is a king that Scripture talks about that is going to come and rescue us. But theologians will tell you that at that particular time, what they had in mind of the type of king that was going to rescue them was this type of king that was not going to come in on a donkey, but come in on a warrior horse. They had in mind that this was a king that was going to come and overthrow the current power and put them in power so that they could rule over others. They had in mind a particular type of king and a particular type of ruler that was going to come and rescue them. Why do I bring that up this morning? Why would I bring up this particular story when it comes to the topic of faith and doubt? This topic is so wide range. In my study, in my conversation, like, this goes in so many different areas. But today, I specifically want to speak to some of us that have been disoriented because the image that we have upheld about who Jesus is has been shattered. There's so many different others that are maybe in the room, but today I want to talk to someone who's in this space, and you may be thinking to yourself that the image that you've had of Jesus has been shattered, and for that reason, it makes you feel as if your decision to walk away is valid. As we talk about conversation of uh, doubt, there's a, there's a story that I want to bring up of C.S. Lewis, and there's a book that he wrote called Grief Observed. If you don't know C.S. Lewis, in Christian world, people fan, like they are fans of C.S. Lewis. Like I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis. He's this great theologian, writer, all these different things, but people love, love C.S. Lewis. So if you don't know C.S. Lewis, he's like a saint, okay? It's like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, C.S. Lewis. Like everybody loves C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis wrote in Grief Observed, and he starts to talk about a story of his wife. And his wife had passed away, and what he starts to talk about and what he starts to really lean into is this idea that he began to admire, and in some ways even idle, the picture of his wife more than the actual presence of his wife. And he talks about how he starts to drift away from actually knowing who his wife was and the presence of his wife and actually starting to really press into the image of his wife. And what he writes down is this idea of how we do that when it comes to our faith walking with Jesus. He writes these words. He said that I needed Christ, not something that resembled him. My idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered from time to time. And watch this, he does the shattering. He goes on to say that instead of seeing the shattering as something, as a reason to walk away, but to see shattering as a presence of God, the mark of the presence of God. What am I getting at here? I, I believe there's images that we put up in our life of who we desire God to be, of who we want Jesus to be. And, and somewhere along the way, there's been a shattering that has caused many people to walk away. If you look at our world, if you look at any statistics, if you look at church world, any things that's taking place, you begin to see that there is a mass exodus of people who are either disassociating with the church or falling away from faith altogether. One of the uh, theologians that I want to talk about today is a guy named A.J. Swoboda. And he is an amazing guy on the West Coast. And he writes this conversation around doubt. And what he says is that there's three stages of doubt. There's construction, there's deconstruction, and there's reconstruction. For a moment, would you engage me in just what that means? Construction, what he talks about is that foundation of faith that was handed to us, that was given to us. And what's awesome about this is that we all recognize that at some point in our life, a foundation was given to us, a a, a sort of image of who God is was handed to us. That foundation was not only handed to us, but we have to really do some digging to see what was it about this foundation that we love so much. So let me give you an example. I grew up in a holiness, Pentecostal, charismatic black church. I loved that church so much. It taught me how to love God. It taught me how to sing. It taught me, not necessarily sing, but I do sing. It, it taught me how to love God. It taught me how to pursue God. It taught me how to fast and to pray and to love scripture, love God's word, and to be around God's community. It, it taught me black preaching. If you've never been around a, a sort of historical black tradition of preaching, it, it taught me to fall in love with the art of preaching. And he taught me all these amazing things, to so today I hold on to those things. Those are things that I need in my life. But not only that, as you get older, you start to see that some of the foundation that was handed to you is not also in line with who Jesus is. It starts out with some surface things. In my own journey, it started out with recognizing that uh, Harry Potter wasn't the devil. Uh, where I grew up, that was a no-go. Black church, holiness church, witchcraft, na-na. We, we don't do that. We don't play around with witchcraft. That's the devil. Uh, not only that, we start to really see uh, jewelry, tattoos. Ooh, hell, okay? Hell is where you are gonna wake up. Uh, that is what it was taught. That was what was given to me, okay? And so now, you see, I got watches and jewelry. So that's like, you know, I came out of it. I done got myself delivered, okay? Um, but you start to see as you get older, because that was the thing that I actually, when I talk about looking at that sermon that I used to preach, like I look at that and I'm like, oh my goodness, like these things that I'm condemning and like approaching, like I'm speaking against it, you're going to hell. Like, why would, like these things, because of that foundation that was handed to me, that faith that was handed to me. And I love the things that it taught me as it relates to Scripture and the Bible and all these things. But as we get older, there comes a time where we begin to see some cracks and that foundation. We begin to see some shattering in that image of God that was presented to us. And it's not only surface things. It, it can start out with Harry Potter, but then it starts to get to some things where even the tradition and the church that I love so much that taught me how to follow God also handed me a theology that women are becoming second, second, uh, Second-class citizens. Why was that a brain fart? (laughs) Second-class citizens in church world. And I start to get older and I start to recognize these things. Good intention, well-meaning people handing me something that as I do my own following of Jesus and research, that is not in line with what I see as a thematic thread throughout Scripture. I don't know what that is for you. But there's probably a crack, either today or it's going to be one at some point in your life, that you wake up and you think to yourself, maybe I don't believe what I used to believe. And this can be disorienting because for some of us, it gets to a real deep heart issue. It gets to a real issue for us when it comes to our relationships, when when it comes to core things that we're saying, wait a second, I don't know if I believe that. And what I was handed to me was, was something that I think is not okay. Wait, wait a second. Hold on. You want me to treat people that are part of this particular community a certain way just because, wait a second, I don't, I don't think that's okay. Wait, I look at Jesus and you want me to, wait a second. And sometimes in this moment, we can walk away from everything altogether and we can throw away the entire foundation. Or I believe what we see in Scripture when we see Jesus coming in in this triumphal entry, he does it in a subversive way. And what he does is he shatters that image, but he does so in a faithful way. And for every single person that is having a crack in that image that you're thinking about, I believe that there's a faithful way to steward that doubt. That there's a faithful way to recognize that God is with me even in the shattering. Because what you have been handed, you are starting to see something faulty about this. There's something faulty about this theology that was given to me around divorce. There's something faulty around this theology that was given to me around politics, around all of these particular topics that we know and we see day in and day out. And instead of throwing away the entire foundation, instead of burning it all up, I say to faithfully walk through that, I believe that in that place of unresolved questions, that place of unresolved doubt, I believe that what God is calling us to do is to recognize that there is a shattering, a deconstruction that happens for every single one of us. And I don't use that word in that term lightly. And I'm also, let me be very clear, I'm going to just put a quick insert. I don't want to stay here long, but I'm also not telling us that uh, because I see something in scripture that I don't like, um, therefore I can just say that uh, it's all baloney. Uh, there's going to be things in the gospel that is going to confront us. When you say love your enemies, I don't know about you, but I don't always love, like loving my enemies. I don't like denying myself. These are things that the gospel calls, <laughs> excuse me, calls us to do. But what I'm getting at is this image that we continue to put up, and I believe that God is walking with us in that, and we can faithfully do that. All throughout Scripture, I see, as I'm engaging in this topic, Jesus time and time again shattering the image that people put up around about him. You're supposed to do this, and he shatters that image. Peter takes out a sword, cuts the dude's ear off. Jesus is like, hold up, bruh. It's the miracle that happens also. If you read it, he takes the ear, puts it back on, and then he's like, we're not supposed to do this, bruh. That's not us. Shatters the image of who they think he's supposed to be. Peter was like, young 18-year-old Maurice, like, I'm defending Jesus. And he's like, bro, I don't need you. I don't need all that. He shatters the image of who we think God is supposed to be this box that we've placed God in. And I want to be real honest with you that that can be a very disorienting place when that image is shattered. That stages that I talked about, that that theologian talks about is not only construction, but deconstruction. And when he talks about deconstruction, he talks about it in a way that is faithfully stewarding, recognizing that maybe that mark of where we are Is God calling us to go deeper into who He is, to know more of who He is, faithfully who He is. But it doesn't stop there. It's not only deconstruction, but it's reconstruction. And that's my encouragement for all of us on this morning. Deconstruction, I believe, in a holistic way, is a part of every single person's journey in faith. When it comes to in a true faithful steward of our faith, I believe deconstruction is going to be a part of every single person's journey. That, that, that taking away that image, that shattering what we thought God was supposed to be, that box that we put him in, that question of maybe I don't believe what I once believed anymore. Every single one of us are going to go through that, but here's the thing. Deconstruction is a great place to visit in our faith, but it's not a good place to live. Deconstruction is a good place to visit, but never intended for us to be a place that we live in. I like to call deconstruction the uh, New York City of our faith. I don't know about you, but I've been there and it is an amazing place to visit, but I would not live there. It's not something I would go in and out doing all the time. That was just something I was, as I was preparing this message, I thought about it and I was like, that's New York City for me. Uh, visit, but don't live. But in a real way, we see Jesus bring us all the way back to a reconstruction a presenting of himself, a representing of himself. And this morning, I don't know where you are, but I wanna to speak to those of you who may be wrestling, who may be doubting. If you haven't caught on thus far, I wanna specifically speak to you and let you know that you are loved, that you are welcome, that you are right where I believe God has called you to be. To visit, not to live, but to recognize that sometimes the shattering of that image that we were given from good meaning well intentioned people we believe that i believe when we look at scripture and i look at the words of amazing theologians i believe that's the mark of god that's not the absence of who he is and it may feel like you're spiraling in some ways and things are unresolved and you've pressed pause on faith for a moment and you've walked away from church and the institution of church and all of these things and you're you're searching I want to let you know that you are in a holistic faith journey. And that right where you are, I'm calling you to fall deeper into God and not fall away. Because in a true reconstruction way, when Jesus represents himself to all of us, we see the God of this world. We see the one who pursues us. We see the one who died on the cross, who seen that you are valuable and that you are worth it. We see a person who did everything in his power to follow after you, to to do what he needed to do because you were worth it. To not leave you alone, but to say that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That I'll be your mother and I'll be your father. I'll be whatever it is that you need me to be in this world because I have called you son and daughter. For those of you maybe in the room, I need to let you know that God is right there with you and that part of your faith journey, just maybe, just maybe, recognizing that God has you in a sacred place. As the band makes their way to the stage this morning, I believe that worship is a pivotal part. And I want to just speak honestly from my own perspective. When it comes to a reconstruction, when it comes to a putting together the pieces of an image of who God truly is. Worship is that place for me where truth is declared and sung. And the amazing, or I should say the interesting thing sometimes about worship and about truth is that I find myself not always believing those words. I find myself in this sort of gap, that I'm here, right here, in this place. But there's some things that I'm wrestling with, and I don't know if I'm allowed to, and I don't know if it's okay to have these questions and I'm asking questions that others aren't asking, and for whatever reason, you're singing about this God, and you're declaring truth, and whatever the song is, it's good, good father, or amazing God, or amazing grace, and I don't see that in my life. I don't feel that sometimes, and it feels as if there's a gap from where I am in my experience and my reality, and the truth that is being sung and being sung by everyone around me. And in my journey of having my own wrestlings of doubt and questions that I still today keep me up at night that I can't really wrap my head around. It's moments of worship that I find myself sitting and letting words be sung over me. I believe worship is that place for us that even when I don't necessarily believe fully that truth that is being said, that is being sung, that is being articulated, that worship is that thing between us. It's that that gap filler that if I'm here and I know I don't wanna be here forever and and I know that I wanna get to a place where my feet are on solid ground, but I'm not quite there yet, I believe it's worship that fills the gap. And this morning, some of you might be in that place and you may be wrestling and you may be things that's keeping you up at night in church world and you're struggling with what things are and what they look like. And this next moment, will we just pause for a moment to recognize that it's worship. It's worship that softens our heart. It's worship that even when I don't fully believe, God, you are singing to me. You are allowing your presence to shower me with your words of truth. And it is your truth that sets me free. sets me free. It is your truth that is my light, is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my pathway. It is your truth that, that gives me the glimpse of hope. It's your truth that is that glimmer of light in a dark tunnel. This morning, would you allow these words to be sung over you and At some point, if you feel led to stand up and engage in that, please do. But let this be that moment for many of us in this room. Even if you're not quite in that place and you're Maurice, I'm not really doubting this morning and things are good. What an amazing place to be. As a community, as a faith community, we recognize that even in moments like this, as we see this topic, we know that we're supposed to surround each other. In John 20, we see This guy named Thomas Doubting, he says that some doubted, and then right after that it says that they worshiped. Would you, even in the midst of holding the things that you're holding this morning, would you take that step and just let worship be the truth that showers you this morning of who God is? Let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you again for your presence. Thank you for, in a lot of ways, the shattering that has to happen. The breaking away, the follow ground, the things that we once held on to and were so nervous to let go of. But Lord, would you allow us in this moment to hold the things that we're wrestling with and let your truth be the things that shower us, that that, that gap filler, that thing that holds us even when we can't even hold on to our own faith. Let the worship in this moment be the thing that uplifts us, be the truth that we hold on to. God, with your presence and your voice and your words carry not only today, but throughout this week, throughout this month, for all of us who are wrestling and wondering and even find ourselves wandering, that knowing that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that. It is you that does the shattering, that it is you that is right there with us in this holy place of questions. We surrender right now and we let go of what we thought you were supposed to be. And we ask that we may encounter the God who is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.